to the one within all we're back it's another episode of interverse and tonight's gonna be a super fun one excited to be back live been a couple weeks since we did a live one and we've got the great dylan sakoshio returning champion (laughs) dylan is possibly the most well-prepared guest not just that comes on this show but anywhere and i have the uh the honor of receiving sloppy seconds from all the scraps of leftover notes on other shows that he doesn't get to. And in this case, we have quite a lot on the table because uh, I believe he prepared a ton for Topher's bio charisma show that, you know, in classic uh, gardener style, as he says, <laughs> they didn't even get to, but do go check that out. I believe it's going to be a double header and there's only one of the two out, but check out bio charisma for a recent pipe and hot gravy session with Dylan and our buddy Topher really good times. And yeah, tonight, I know one thing you probably are aware of this, but in the title, we're talking about the ancient Phoenician origins of the Norse mythos, which a very spicy subject (laughs) for some people. You know, everybody has a a little bit of my cult is the special one going on. We're not here to dispute any of the value or the goodness out of people's cultural uniqueness, but to show that when it comes to this wisdom tradition, It seems that the holy sailors have been everywhere doing everything, setting it all up behind the scenes, behind the scenes of history anyway. And we're here to get to the bottom of that so that we can help you guys out there in the ways that you're able to no longer buy into the mosaic history and the frauds of the authority systems that have been taxing everybody for millennia, potentially. And, you know, it's kind of appropriate since uh, tax day is now tomorrow oddly enough anyway you guys should definitely be following dylan on his Substack. you can find all of his links at beacons.ai slash great tide that'll be linked in the show notes and we're gonna jump right in but don't forget the spirit world book series is really your go-to source even better than the podcast we do here's this newest book six terminalia and unless you are just brand new here you're also aware that i've done the audiobooks for a lot of Dylan's Spirit World series, the Holy Sailors will be ready pretty soon. We're about 90% cooked on that bad boy. So Dylan, my man, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. You're probably everybody's favorite. (laughs) Once in a while, like I can hit them out of the park. Um, I believe the word is uh, a Gardenian tangent. And um, (laughs) I'm not sure what's going on. I'm having technical difficulties. So you might have to carry the show with, uh, the uh uh what you would call it, images and unfortunately oh, that's no problem you know if, if i if i can't figure out how to work this <laughs> it's always like anytime that i have something going on that's when the technical difficulties come 
Um, yeah, yeah. So Mercury's we'll, in shadow we'll and everything. It's totally normal. We'll <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah, um, I've, you, you've sent me some images already before uh, we got on here, and I have those queued up and ready. I can screen share. They're kind of bigger if we do it my way anyway. So yeah, you just perfect. tell me of the things you've texted to me, what you want to see on screen, and then if there's anything additional, you just shoot yeah, it to me in a text. And I don't know because, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know anymore because, like, the reality is there's no real, like, there's no urgency for anything. Um, I think we could just go as uh, – as what we what we have prepared and then if something like uh jumps out at us we'll go to it if there's something that you're thinking about fine we'll, we'll go to it but um uh sorry sorry man i was like i have like a lot of stuff ready but it is what it is so one of the things that we've shared before is um that Higgins suggested the greek language was a child of circumstance composed from that of the kelty the ionians or the onians if they weren't the same people uh, the Pelagi from Phoenicia, a second race of Kelty called Scythians, of which 16 letters were common to all, right? And so the ancient Greeks had two known alphabets. And that would have been the Pelagic, which is uh, also the Attic, the Argive, the Arcadian alphabet. And Higgins thinks that was probably the same as Etruscan. Um, and that was brought out of Arcadia into Latium by Evander, allegedly. But the thing is, is when you start looking deep into these like uh, attrition like abracadariums, basically the oldest attrition alphabet is also quote unquote, the oldest Greek alphabet. And so what they've done is they've basically hijacked Italian culture and they say, well, because it has the same letters, it must be from Greek. But I always remind people, the Greek got their 17 letters from the Phoenicians. So did the Irish, etc. And what you see is uh, this gentleman uh, named uh, Davies, who's like acknowledging that all these, whether it's Ionian, Phoenician, Cadmian, Aeolian, all that stuff, they appear to have been the same in terms of radicals. And he wrote, they do not seem to have augmented the number of letters. Only 16 are ascribed to Cadmus. The same number is claimed by the old Latins, by the old Germans, by the Irish and by the British bards. Now I said 17 because that's like, there's generally things that they argue is a letter, like an aspirate, like the H or whatever. And um, they use them. But if you look into like, uh, I forget which Irish dictionary, like you look in the old Irish dictionaries, they don't have a section for the letter H. So even though they use certain stuff, um, they don't necessarily, uh, account for it as a letter. And I think this is something that we were texting back and forth um, that we should broach the subject that some of these are just alphabets and not necessarily a language. Just because somebody has that system doesn't mean they actually use it, all the letters. And you can see this in like the Phoenician and the Etruscan. So if you have anything that you want to talk about with that subject, we can go like take some tangents or whatever. But if not, then. Well, I just think it's super fun. And um, whenever you're able to start to get the grasp on the letter swapping that occurs or especially yeah, it? That, fun, that fun and finicky H aspiration. <laughs> the, uh, the example that I it just sort of flashed into my mind the other day, I, I realized. You know, whenever you say that you have a sore throat, because I had a sore throat, you call your throat horse. 
but really <laughs> your throat is feeling coarse. And what are horses' hairs known for being? Coarse. So that example is how the H, depending on how somebody is pronouncing it in their own dialect, can easily become the CH sound or the K sound or the hard C. <laughs> You know, like just a throaty H does that. So horse and course are literally the same word in, well, philologically, not literally, I guess. But you even see how that is played out in common expressions of words. So little example there. And it's fun once you start to get some of those keys, like the deeper wisdom of how our language is almost in some ways divinely inspired. Like people don't even, I don't even know how this happens. It's uh, it's rather miraculous in some ways. It, it makes it a lot more entertaining. It really is interesting. And so um, there's people that I pay attention to with like a lot of the Norse stuff and there's connections that they're not able to make because they are under this presumption of the way things originate. And a lot of this is problematic because of the assumption assumption about things like Latin coming from Greek when it I'm showing that it doesn't the idea that attrition comes from Greek and I'm showing that it doesn't. And so what I want to broach is um, when you like the whole reason that we're under the presumption that the, the, the Phoenicians or whatever you want to call them come from the East, all this is coming from the East is because it has to in order for mosaic history to be true. How many times have you heard people talk about Canaanites, right? But in my book, I show you the etymology of Kana and pertaining to the world, the stars and the zodiac, right? Like there's all these things they've, they had to name that area, Israel, in order to conform to the mosaic history, even though Israel is a, a Phoenician per Porphyry admission that that's what the Phoenicians called Saturn. Uh, Egypt was never called Egypt. They had to reassign this stuff. So the problem that scholars have is they're still under the hex of mosaic history and all this religious nonsense that's preventing them from thinking differently. And that's why um, I'm very grateful to all these other peoples like the, uh, you know, the, the Taylors, the Higgins, all these people who kind of, they didn't get everything like as far deep as we are because they didn't have access to the internet to share pictures all across the world to put it together. They still had to rely on accounts and whatnot. But one of the things I wanted to broach off the get-go is because I did this with Let me Gardner. make a quick observation too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do it you, know, you brought up the, the whole Canaanites thing and coming from the East. Well, what did, in the time period of around 200 BC, you have the Han dynasty in China, in the East, which is back to that H to C that's can, you know, Pre, whole, it's like a priest dynasty. Khan, Khan, Cohen. <laughs> yeah. I never even thought about that before, but when you, that's what I like about this is when you teach this stuff out, it's a system and everybody sees stuff that you wouldn't have seen. And so the more people you have raising their knowledge to this level and looking at things, the more that we will just blow the gates open. And that's, that is my goal. Right. And, um, so there, there was some accounts that in some old tables in Italy that referred to navigators as Puni. And this is all in like a tree and stuff. And I've tried to chase some of this down. I don't think I'll be able to, unless I get to go over there and see the tables for the, the tablets for myself. However, even with like status quo research and stuff, there's going to be this route that I'm going to show you that 
it pertains to things of a purple color from mead or wine to uh, fabric. And, and so I want them to test you. I know I'm not going to be able to this. You're probably going to get this. You're going to have to back up a little bit. My internet just temporarily blipped out. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) Do we need to take a break? No, no, we're, we're in good shape. It's, it's wrong, but uh, I had a blip at about the point we stopped referencing the, the Cohen dynasty of ancient China. Okay. No worries. Yeah. Just rewind. That way, you know, if you're going to test me, I want to have the full <laughs> introduction yeah, yeah, yeah. to the topic. Are we live? Yeah, we're live. Yeah, I just had a okay. slight glitch. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that we're like the, the stream's still coming through. Yeah, even right, if um, I dropped so, out, you would still be live. So if I disappear, you can just keep talking. Oh, well, we don't need you, motherfucker. Yeah, we don't even, you know, like now that it's launched, just, it's Just, uh, it's just line me up and let me go. Say I'm like the bull in the china shop. So true. <laughs> so um what i wanted to show you was I, I did this with gardner and then i did this with our new friend mike he got it though but he knows language like he he's an ancient phoenician himself so he, he kind of got this but so how do you talk to that guy mike over at the uh what is it parallel systems podcast right parallel systems broadcast for and that that will come out i don't know when they're gonna but i didn't know that he even knew you or talked to you until after we did our podcast they go yeah i did chant and i was like oh no shit it's my boy so anyways he got this gardner didn't get it he fell into the trap so now it's your turn so this is i'm gonna write this word in a couple different languages it's only or a couple different alphabets i should say it's only relevant in one of the languages in terms of its meaning, as far as I can tell with the, the, the tablets. So here's the first one. Okay. This is going to be the second one. I think you're, you got skill. You're going to, you're going to recognize this. Some of the shit I know it's not, but maybe the chat won't. And you'll have to forgive some of my writing for this letters because I don't actually uh, write in presentation styles like this. And I don't actually uh, write in letters that much. I'm used to like reading them and stuff. So which, which of these, these are all the same word. Or what do you think is the oldest? The oldest is probably the first one. Yes! Gotcha, bitch! <laughs> Did you really fool me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is Etruscan. This, this is Phoenician. And this is Hebrew. Well, um, I, had, so I feel like be- it's an educated guess because I was going based on how straight lined it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. It again. This is this is part of the thing though. When you look at some of these. Uh, some of these things carved in stone, you have to look at the practicality. You have to look at what metals they had available to them in those eras, right? Sometimes you'll see primitive looking carvings. Sometimes you'll see exceptional looking carvings because the closer you are to the empire and the thing, the very thing that gave the Etruscans so much power is they learned how to mine. Like all the mining operations that they got from the Phoenician, their Phoenician ancestors, they had in place and they were able to do it all in Italy. And so they have there. So they're the source. So the further you get away as they colonize Britain and then Scandinavia, et cetera, the further you get away, the more primitive the carving gets because 
a lot of this is all going to the empire, to the central places, not in, back in these days. And I'm going to read you some quotes. A lot of this shit was unknown territory not that long ago. And so what this is, though, so these all go uh, right to left, right? This is pay. Uh, Pei is like a P in Hebrew, can act like an F as well. Vav, which would be like a U, V, or W. You have Nun, which is an N, and then you have Yod, which is uh, like an I, a Y, or a J. So what this spells is Puni. Right, and that's uh, the Punic or the Phoenician original name yeah i can't i I can't spring it out with you (laughs) should have at least let me tell the uh the audience what the the word was i could have guessed it off the hebrew (laughs) oh yeah no i know well that's why i knew i didn't think i was gonna fool you because i because i know you can read hebrew but but no i'm not at the point of being able to tell the difference between etrurian and phoenician yet but you listen you will be it'll take like five they're the, the same alphabets like that's why i'm saying when when you once you understand this and the reason it's easier to learn the hebrew first is because it's a younger language and there's still a ton of old synagogue documents where you can learn it whereas with phoenician and uh Aturian or etrusian the problem is is back then they were writing on papyrus and um birch bark and so a lot of this shit is, it, it's all rotted and gone. You're not going to, all that's left is what we have from tablets. We do have accounts that they had a shitload of stuff left behind, but because it wasn't able to be preserved, we don't even know the language. Like you can't even decipher the language anymore, which is why I think we need to consider the fact that just like the runes, the runes are not a language. They're an alphabet. The language itself is going to be more Germanic, right? So we have to consider that the the Phoenician it might not even be an actual language, just an alphabet, just this 16-letter right, symbolism. There's a already precedent for that in the East, how many different dialects of different language speakers could read the Chinese alphabet. And yep. they spoke like they would say a different word for what they saw written, but they could all read and write. It's a trade language, you know? So exactly. Just like the Chinese. Yep. Just like the Chinese. That's probably what we're looking at is a trade language where it was never really a spoken language. It represented words that in their language might even have a different meaning, which is again, why the whole numerical aspect of the system is so important so that you really know what it is that is being said based on the value of it. And then if it's a mercantile trade language, another reason why the numerical aspect would be extremely important, how much of what, you know? Yes. And after this, I think you should show that map of uh, Genoa when Genoa was the Commonwealth of Italy, because that pertains to Columbus. And I suspect this motherfucker already knew America and all, all this shit. He knew everything because that's part of that, uh, you know, business for Latin, for what you said. You're like, this, this thing is just like one giant fucking company that keeps rebranding itself as the empires change. <laughs> but so this here, it would be how would this puni would be written in Greek, right? And then when I add their K and their Ada or whatever, which is like an I or an E, it becomes Phoeniki. And that's their word for Phoenician. So you see Puni in Latin, P-O-E-N-I. Well, that's the root of Punic and Phoenician. So 
When people you think say, this also plays into like the name of the Finnish people? I do, but later on, I mean, it's there in the root, right? And then the Irish have the whole Fenian thing too going yeah. on. Yeah, and so like if you look at, but here's the here's the deal though. Let me show you because I'm still on uh, screen share. So when you look, this is the oldest rune stone that mentions Finland. It's G three one nine, and this is dated to like twelve, somewhere between like twelve hundred and like fifteen hundred or some shit like that. And it's using the Italian fixed cross, right? Those are the fixed signs. So if you were to look that out, that's going to be the four, the gospels, the four Royal stars. You have uh, uh, Aldebaran, Taurus, Taurus, you'll have Leo, Regulus, you'll have Antares, Scorpio, and you'll have Fomahat. So the symbolism to me, this, you know, so in terms of like finish, yeah, they are the Phoenicians, if you will, that's discovered by that, but by way of Britain, circa sometime between like the late 800s to, you know, the 1200s, because they found founded Denmark first, right? So uh, this is the first, like one of the oldest documents with the runes, and it's written in the Bustrofidon um, style. I can only say that word when I think about the Greek because the way it's written in English, it's bustro faden. But if you look at the accents in Greek, you can it's bustro fidon. And that's so what um, if people look at one of the links I shared. Just thinking about uh, Denmark, too, the, the Latin and Greek name for it is Dania, which is philologically Tinia. Yeah. Yes, it is. I didn't even think about that. So I'm posting a link right now. I'll just say oldest Latin inscription. And if you want, you can pull that up. Um, And the audience can pull that up for themselves. So that's written in the Rustro Fidon style. And where I'm showing, the reason that's significant is that is a technique of the earlier alphabets of this cult wherever it went. And um, that's it. Now, this isn't people are saying that's uh, where Romulus is buried. I don't buy any. I, I just don't know anymore um, about any of that shit. But it is what it is. So just to continue, um, as uh, when we can get to this, whatever, anything you want to talk about. But that Punic is significant because, as I showed you, in Hebrew, the pay and the uh, the P acts like an F or a P. So then you would also have that P changing to the F. That's where you get Fenians. That's Irish term for Phoenicians, right? And think about like all the Finn McCool, all, all that shit, Mikhail, however you say his name. Um, then you would also have that F and V interchange. And so you get the Venetians. So once you understand philology, you see they're all the same root. And if the only place where it goes back to where it actually signifies something is an attrition. And it's all related to purple stuff. And like Betham said, that the navigators, if they were attrition, they were referred to as puni. So this is why I'm saying the Phoenicians, the attritions are Phoenicians. And they're descended from them. 
And um, this is where it gets interesting because if you were to look at like the Phoenician word for our letter for R is going to look like uh, almost like a reverse P, right? Like that. And then the Etruscan is going to look like a D with like a little bit of a stem at the bottom, but for all intents and purposes, it looks like a reverse D. And then the R for um, Greek looks like a P. So Punic is also runic, right? And so if you were to write that in um, the, I think it's the Elder Futark, it would look like they have their R, U, uh, N. Sorry, that N's a little fucked up. How would I do that? N, uh, I, and their C is like a weird... So it looked like runic in the Elder Futhark. So you can see this, um, that uni, but also that R, keep in mind, that looks like a D in Etruscan. Now we're going to get somewhere. Because in the Old Testament, do you remember how they refer, the Jews refer to my Lord? Because they don't want to say the epithet for Apollo, which is yod Hey, yod Hey, or I-E or I-H, they say uh, Aduni. So that's what, that's what it looks like. So it'd be A, if you were to translate that literally, it would look like, <laughs> you'll have to forgive my, my Hebrew. It's, it's absolutely atrocious. We're going to have to get you a big, a big ass whiteboard. <laughs> I know, I, I know, I know, for sure. But that is Adonis. The Phoenician Adonis is the god of the Old Testament, whose mother is Mira or Myrrh. Which is all pertaining to what? The tree and the sea. Mar. Yeah. And Mario. And, yeah. Yeah, the sea. And we've done this with Mario, Mario, right? Lord Yo, we call him. But uh, remember, we did that with Thalassa. Uh, it means it's an archetype. Thalassa and Pantos are archetypes for the sea. And so you have the Thalassocrats, which were the lords of the sea. So. I just wanted to show you. So I did that for Gardner. I may have done it a little bit longer and more in depth with you, but this is stuff that like, I just, this is a companion piece. So I'm going to write Gardner's um, uh, website here for those who want to see this. It should come out uh, Friday, toferhq.com. So go there and uh, stay posted. We just did one. So that's up. So you can at least watch the first one, but this will be a nice companion piece with him. So do you want to jump in and add some fuel to the fire? Should we keep going? Whatever you want. I'm going to let you just keep going. I'll make observations. You know, I'll jump in and make observations uh, as, as we go. I'm (laughs) I'm, like, I feel like I just want to make sure you don't feel crazy. You're, you're writing in different alphabets uh, by hand, like right out out of memory. It's pretty awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have a, I have like a cheat sheet just so, just in case, cause sometimes I get nervous and I don't want to freeze up in the middle of a live stream cause I can't remember something. 
Because sometimes I, I'll catch myself writing in different languages and not realizing it. Like I'll accidentally write a Greek letter instead of a Hebrew, you know what I mean? So I just like to, I do, I do prep. So don't, don't be fooled. I wish I was doing this all off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm prepped. Now, our boy, I let Sammy's, he wrote um, about the declining of the Phoenician state. The Grecians began to trade into these parts. And he's talking, he's from England. So he's talking about Britain. And they, who before had only heard of the Bratanaks, which in the same sense they called Casaterides, or the Tin Islands, now learnt the way to them and conformed themselves to the name the Phoenicians had given them, calling them first Bretonic Islands, afterwards Bretanis. So that's, that's where Britain's name comes, comes from, Phoenician. Now, upon the increase of the Roman Empire and the fall of Carthage, the trading began to decrease. And the Grecians, for fear of that powerful state, discontinued their voyages into the Western Seas. And it may be supposed that Britain lay idle during the space of 170 years till Julius Caesar's arrival. Now, I would call bullshit on that. Um, I also think it's important that people, when they hear Carthage, again, they're speaking Punic, which is Etruscan, Puni, right? But to the... To like the to the scholars or whatever, another word for it is Sicilian Phoenician. Just like when you look at uh, Biscay, Biscayers, right, or Vizcaya in Spanish. Uh, oh, sorry, it's ironically it's spelled with the, a V in Spanish, but I think they pronounce the V like a B, Biscaya. Uh, and then in Greek, it's pronounced with the it's spelled with the beta, but that's like a V, so it's Vizcaya in in uh, Greek. But that was known as Spanish Phoenician. And so what I suspect is that when this empire, whatever it is, fell, right, you have this entire maritime European empire all along the coast of the Mediterranean, everything from North Africa. You can see it there. You can see it in, um, did I, let me see if I saved the... No, I didn't save this. Uh, If you look at like, uh, if you were to just type up uh, Numidian, um, oops, like a Numidian, right? That's what the Berbers were called. The, the, the Greek word Berber is kind of like stranger or barbarian. If you type in Numidian, I'll put it in the chat. You can look into their font and it's, you look into it and you're basically seeing like the Norse Tiwas rune. It's like their T where we're going to get to Tur or Tir, right? Uh, you see Words that look like the theta, the, the the Greek X when it's capitalized, those three lines, like there's nothing about them that's original in terms of what people think are original. And you see all this. Once you see the language, everything ties together. And so, like I said, that lull that he's talking about after the collapse, before Julius arrived, I think basically what brought Julius to Britain is that portion of the empire thought it was going to become its own empire and not pay tribute to Rome. And so once he got that, the kings, the British kings, to agree to pay tribute, the conflict ended magically. Not only that, if you look at what is in Britain, it's not just a military conquest. I mean, they built a freaking stone wall from the North Sea to the Atlantic, across the entire continent. Right there, they were there for a long time. So I don't really think like there's this like independent uh, idea that they were just in their own isolation and nobody knew about them. 
Um, and furthermore, if you look at Davitiacus, he was a chief Druid, and that was one of Julius Caesar's best friends. And Davitiacus was a sovereign, and his brother fought, attacked the Roman armor, uh, the army when they were there, and they could have killed him, but because he was friends with Julius, Julius spared him and returned him to his friend. He returned his friend's brother. And then whatever happened, the brother didn't agree to stay nonviolent. So he then led another attack against the Romans. And that time they killed him in battle. Um, it's like just classic mafia stuff. Yeah, it is. It, 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 it absolutely is. And, um, I mean, empire has always been protection racket has always been the game. And it's not even really necessarily evil. Like, uh, it just is what it it's is. Just business. It's business. Yeah. yeah it's just it's business. survival. You know, it's not even personal. A lot of the times it's like, you got to fall in line. And if you're not, then you, you run the risk of, you have to be able to defend yourself, unfortunately. And that's, that's one of the things that someone like me, who's has trouble. I struggle with idealism. And a lot of the way I look at life, it's like, oh, if we could just, you know, learn not to cause harm and all this other bullshit. But it's like, that's not how nature works. And that's not how we as humans work. And so even though it's like we're not all the same family, right? Like the way these city states and stuff start off, they start off as like maybe a tribe. Tribes are near each other. They agree to start like working together. They form a village. Then they run into a village, you know, a couple miles away. They agree to work with that village, right? And that's how it goes until it starts, you know, they, they need, they have the necessity to develop like city walls and like protect themselves from other tribes and be able to help each other and defend each other, all that stuff and have the right to freedom to like trade amongst each other. And eventually just grows and grows and grows. And that's, that's what happens. Yeah. And trade is the lifeblood of society. So it is extremely important to foster that, protect that. And in fact, it is a form of warfare even in a like a cold war type way like if you bring in imports from the sea and you get all the gold coinage from the people you're selling it to and then you sail off with that gold that region just lost a bunch of the liquidity in its economy and the velocity of trade for them is going to be reduced unless you know circumstances bring more gold back to them so you know you there you welcome these mariners who might come and buy stuff from you as much as they're selling stuff from you. And in fact, like if you go into the, the old definition of the word purchase, like in the Webster's 1828, one of the definitions of purchase is to conquer. So it's always been that way. Like you can conquer a nation with trade. Yeah. And, and you can also conquer them by starving them of that trade. You know, that's look at what America is doing to people with the sanctions and shit. And it's all backfiring against us. And so I think really that's why you get, things get so wonky whenever we come off of bullion, because now that sort of natural check and balance and weights and measures of how much physical money is in the supply and how difficult it is to get more money into the supply is out the window when everything's just numbers on a screen and, you know, the, the whole credit fiat system is a totally different beast that I don't think they're ever going to get worked out in a way that maintains equilibrium. Yeah. And so I just wanted to note real quick, this came out a couple weeks back. Um, it's the oldest inscription of Odin allegedly, and it's on this hoard of gold allegedly from 500 AD. Now the things that I couldn't find with the article. So maybe this would be something for your people to look into is what the percentage of gold is like what's the content 
because based on that percentage, you might be able to to date it or, you know, see like what kind of like you might even be able to locate it, you know, like certain things like some of these trades for anyone who's ever uh, worked with metals or anything. It's a lot of work to purify things. And so the higher the purity, the more skilled the smelter is, if you will. And so that's just something I wanted to bring up. But if, as you can see, for those who are looking, I know they're looking at your screen, but just to say there's the swastika, right? And it says Odin's man on it. And um, that swastika is, do I have a picture? Yes, I do. So this is uh, a deity. This, this swastika is a cross. Uh, what is this deity's name? It's called uh, Suparshvatnath. I don't know how to say that. Forgive me, Hindus. You guys can... Uh, Look that up. But as you'll see with this, let me go back. You have that swastika. You have that, those, those four portions of the year. But what's under him? If you zoom in, you'll see that's the lion. And, then what, and it almost looks like a Greek lion. And that's notably a symbolism for the sun, right? It comes from Phoenician lis, but it goes into Greek leon. And then you have that eleon in Hebrew. And what's interesting about Elion is if, if you actually transliterate it, it's spelled with um, uh, a U. So, uh, an, yeah, so it looks like O-L-I-U-N. And if you recognize that the L and R interchange, it becomes Odeon or Orion. So that's something to consider. And when you see like the symbolism of some of the artwork, Orion is depicted with that club of Janus with the the lion skin, all of this stuff. And you can see how they're constantly applying archetypes to the sun to constellations and stuff. And people need to recognize that what we know of the constellations, a lot of this shit is all modern. Like not even... We're also looking at, you know, there's some phalluses here that's a little blurry, but it's a that's exactly the same as like you would see on a Herm statue or a term... (laughs) And terms, yeah, or terms. The uh, the gold coin that we looked at a second ago is also mm-hmm. funny that the hoard of gold that it came from was called the Vindalev hoard. That sounds like a dish you would get at an Indian restaurant, Vindaloo, yeah. Vindalev, you know. <laughs> but this was in Denmark. Yep, and also remember Vinland, and then uh, the V and F interchange. Vinland could be Finland. But they presuppose, well, they suppose that Vinland is actually Canada, Newfoundland, right? Newfoundland, I should say. And, uh, and then we're also Medu, now into the realm of words they, that connect to wine and the god yeah. of wine. Bacchus or Fenicus. Which all of these gods are. This goes back What's to everything that? we've done on the Irish, like Fenicus, Shankus, you know, all this stuff. Phineas Farsaid, the mariner, right? So you see that. And if you look around the head of that statue you've just done, uh oh, did I? Oh, there we go. Come on. Let's go, baby. Well, you said terms. Man, why is this thing acting up? I really can't stand this. Um, you said terms. Come on, baby, for the love of Christ. Well, Newfoundland or uh, Lance ou Medu, which is the place where they discovered allegedly in 1960 the Norse settlement in Newfoundland. Well, they put this up. So you see right there is like an occult cross of the ring. You see the Latin cross. This is Leif Erikson, by the way, Leif the Red. And you see he's fucking wearing the, the, 
the helm of Termis. Winged hat, cap, yeah. Mercury. So for those who don't know, Mercury, all these archetypes come from the Phoenician Termis, right? You can look this up if you spell it uh, the T-U-R-M-S. And that begets Termis, that begets uh, Mercury, that begets uh, Odin, that begets Buddha, right? They're all the same architect that begets Jesus, right? Their mother is Maya, right? They're all related to the alphabet and eloquence, the gods of communication, Agnios, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I was just so thinking yeah, so too thought, about that word term. You know, we actually see a similar word in English, thermal, like thermal. Thermal, you know, like yeah, and heat. And this is also the god of, so it's the fire, of course, it's, there's that, which is the sun, but there's we're talking about the this goddess of wind as well wind and mind go hand in hand and being of wind is interesting because you would actually see that in the uh the heating up of air that birds so this is <laughs> birds are a big important symbol in this whole system too birds can soar on and fly on updrafts of hot air you'll see like what is vultures. fire in the sky aside from the sun lightning well, you see like vultures all over the road, right? And they're just sort of gliding. It's because that hot air rising up off the road allows them to. And they call that thermals. So I just I think about that whenever we're talking about term or terme, the uh, Etrus- Etruscan Phoenician Hermes here. Yep. It's it's all there. And it's it's you can find it in literature or literature. You can find it just in the art itself. Um, but as far as like. Some of these things we're looking at, I don't know if it's passing the sniff test for me yet. Uh, I hope it's all real. I really do. I would hate to see that like people are constantly producing all these forgeries. But until I know more about that coin and the hoard, you know, I, I'm, I'll leave it on the back burner. I'm not going to say, no, it's not real. But I'm also, I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out to be a forgery. Because um, like I said, my grandfather owned factories and he had a business that we melt, smelted metal and stuff for all kinds of things. We'd make everything from like stained glass windows and like the way you like make the mold and pour the molten metal in it and it dries and, you know, all that stuff. But my dad used to, he would make us pirate coins and hide them. We'd go camp on an island for people's birthdays and you'd have to find the pirate treasure. And you give us clues. So like we used to do all this shit and just seeing how easy it was for my dad to make coins. I'm like, Oh man, if you have the actual gold and stuff, you can fucking forge coins and it's not that difficult. But, um, one of the things that That's I want to super good point. Go ahead. There's also a, like a fun comment here in the chat in terms of, uh, terms <laughs> term Moonlander says, is there a connection to turmeric or turmeric? And I think oh. so, because another part of like, you know, in my opinion, what color is it? It's gold. Turmeric's it's gold. gold. And I also, I observe in the colonies that seem to have been set up by whatever, whoever these holy sailors are, that they, one of the things they spread around was the agriculture of root vegetables and nightshades and potatoes and things like that. And turmeric is one of those things. It, it's a root. And, and it's like, it brings Faber. Member Faber and, um, the origin of pagan idols. I think this is book four. He wrote, Kanon says, or Konun, 
the that like Greek general, whatever his whatever he is, he said the Phoenicians once possessed the empire of Asia, and they made their capital Egyptian Thebes, which is all the way down in freaking Luxor. So you see that they had access to all these places, all the way down to the cataracts, which happens after the, um, oh, it's like Answar region. I don't know how to pronounce that. Forgive me, people in Africa. You're probably, you know, I don't, I don't mean to insult you by not knowing how to pronounce that. But yeah, so that is a possibility for this because that's one of the things we're talking about with Mike is he's talking about like, well, what about these like mummies they're allegedly finding in Asia that have like the auburn hair? What about the, the Peruvian elongated skulls that have the, along, uh, the auburn hair and the DNA tests are showing regions from the Black Sea? And the reason this is significant is because I'm going to read you a quote from uh, Polybius. If it's true, um, it shows you like a date of where this stuff starts to happen and it shows you which region. And um, he said that for as concerning Asia and Libya, where they join with one another about Ethiopia, no one can say perfectly to this day, whether it be a continent running to the south or whether it be encompassed by the sea. So likewise, what lies between Tanais, which is north of the Black Sea, which is the area that's currently Ukraine, and Narbo, which is France, Narbonne, stretching northward, is unknown to us at this present, unless afterwards, by diligent inquiring, we learn something of it. They that speak or write anything of these matters are to be thought to know nothing and lay down fables. Now, he was born at the beginning of the second century B.C., um, so what I would need to debunk this is just any type of inscription or something that proves that this is maybe disinfo, because that could also be why he's writing this, right? You could also be hired to say, oh yeah, nobody knows what's north of that. Meanwhile, the Phoenicians have already been up there within like Finland, Norway, um, Denmark, Sweden, all that stuff around like the 60 degree north latitude. So unless you want to jump in, you want me to keep going? No, I'm still thinking about turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> My friends, uh, Guyanese and they're Indian. They were brought over as indentured servants and him and his family, they always joke like whenever you're injured, got a busted knee, put some turmeric on it. Got a scrape. Well, dude, it's like, I, I so looked up what they call it in Sanskrit. In Sanskrit, the word for turmeric, 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 <laughs> is yeah. haridra. Which Hari, is like Hare, Savior, and Dra, or which is philologically Trey or three. Interesting, right? And, and Eri, or H E R I in Etrusian, would be holy. Hare Krishna. Yeah, and it has that yeah, reputation like, of being like a, a savior uh, root, big time. It's freaking wild, isn't it? And so um, the other thing of diffusion that is important is architecture. And we've talked about this before with the polygonal cyclopean masonry, but I just want to make sure people see know this because when you see this in Peru, you see this all you see this everywhere. He's telling you it's pelagic, right? So Bishop Thurwall, he said the most ancient architectural monuments of Europe, which may perhaps outlast all that have been raised in later ages, clearly appear to have been the work in the, of their hands. The huge structures, remains of which are visible in many parts of Greece and Epirus. 
uh, Italy and the western coast of Asia Minor, as and I put as well as the Americas, and which are commonly described by the epithet of Cyclopean, because according to the Greek legends, the Cyclops built the walls of uh, Tereus, um, Mycenae, uh, it might be with more propriety, propriety called Pelagian from their real authors. And you got to remember for people, the reason this book is called The Holy Sailors is the Pelaz, Pelagi or Pelasgi, they were called Di Pelagi, the Holy Sailors. And Pelagi comes from Pelasios or Pelasgos. I say Yos because um, like when you look at the word Greek, like uh, gyro that we would say in English, it's pronounced Euro or Hero. And I think it pertains to Eros and all that stuff. But the Greek acts like a Y and an H sometimes. So I don't know how to pronounce Palazzi or Palazzi or Palazzi. So I just say Palazzi because it's like sounds good to me as an Italian. Um, and you just and, demonstrated why there is so much wiggle room with philology. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like the thing is to remember people is that's what the Greeks called them. So they're not Greek. They civilize the Greeks. That's what's important to know because the way they have it to preserve mosaic history is that everybody from the East is civilizing the West. When the reality is like the things that I thought, you know how like those purple dyes they're making are from the mollusk shells, those little like uh, shellfish. And yeah, murex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So those are cultivated. If you look them up, the types they're cultivated all along the shores of the Mediterranean in Europe. So to say that they're only coming from uh, Lebanon is nonsense because Italy, as Betham noted, was the first great colony of the Phoenicians, which improved on the state of civilization derived from their Syrian ancestors or Turian ancestors, even more than Carthage. And we will get to that Tur root in phonetic, in, which is the Norse god of war, if you will. and so. Um, and we just bring up this map. I mean, it makes sense that Italy would be at the epicenter. It's literally Middle Earth right here, Mediterranean. Yep. And for those who don't aren't familiar with the so Genoa for a while was the Commonwealth of Italy. So this is where Columbus is from. And you can see it's all the same trade routes. Right. And so you see like the Black Sea over there all the way to the Caspian Sea. There's rivers from that, the Sea of Azov that go into Belarus, uh, Budapest almost uh, right by Moscow. So you can see they can take the from there from all these colonies they've set up and trading routes. They can or marts, if you will, where they set up. You know, that's why we have things called like. Walmart. Mart is a place to sell your wares. That's what they would set up there. So they weren't necessarily conquering. They were just setting up all these places for doing business. But you can take those rivers, even if you can't take them by boat, you can travel along them and get to all these places where eventually you'll be in like close to like the Baltic Sea and Lithuania and all that stuff. And so you see all this is real connected. And once once all this is mapped, it's like that is like kind of like you said. They've just had this ever since the Phoenicians, that company, that guild, if you will, that cult has had access to this and set it up. And so they just take over. And um, as we were talking just now, another thing from that Betham noted was the divinities of the Phoenicians and the Etruscans were the same. And for the most part, astronomical. Their supreme god, 
Tinya, so if you want to type that in, it's T-I-N-I-A, seems to have been the object of their earliest worship. And there does not appear to be uh, any ground to justify the notion that he was derived from any sensible material existence unless it was fire, which his name may indicate. But in after ages, the sun was made his visible emblem. And so what's interesting is that as you still have the Greek version of that, the Greeks borrowed that right from Tinya, Athenia. It's in Irish, the Celtic, and it's in Greek, Athenia. But in Etruscan, it was, it looks like Minerva. It's Minerva. So the Latins took Minerva from the Etruscan, because that's who they descend from, while the Greeks took Athena from Tinya. Same deities. Um, yeah, the goddess of wisdom springing from the head of Tinya. It, uh, it echoes in a lot of ways and is probably, you know, you could write the story one way or the other with the script of the stars. You've got the same elements in the story with Odin and his head of Mimir that gives him wisdom. You know, it's like that's also the head of John the Baptist and it, it goes on and on. But it's either the wisdom is springing from the head or it's literally a severed head, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep, and we've noted that astrological occurrence that uh, is at the end of August, where that's Aquarius and Leo. So Leo Harad beheading John the Baptist. And, and let's not forget that in the Prosedda, Odin is actually referred to as the god of cargoes. Talking about trade. It's, oh, yeah, yep. God yeah, of the cargoes. Wares. The wares, the merch. The merch. Yeah, the merch. <laughs> <laughs> Where's and bears. Yeah, there's a that to me. It took yeah. Yeah. So you got me back. I, it took me a second. I didn't realize until you said that. Um, and so Samis also wrote the Cornish, right? Cornwall is another place where the Phoenician settled. They settled the Southwest of Britain, the Cornish, and then, they, and then moved from there. But the Cornish and Devonshire tongue differing both from the British and English and not to be understood by either, but it agrees most with the British but especially of the Britons of Amorica or Britain and France. And those words they preserve common with both nations seem to retain in them the footsteps from the most ancient British language and have in them the very idioms of the Phoenician and Greek nations. Um, let's see here. So now I'm not hating on the Greeks, right? But People have pointed out the fact that the modern Greeks are a Slavonic race, Slavic, whatever, but they're not descended from the ancient Greece. So it's no longer the same people. And I think this is where a lot of this stuff has come with the Farago, whereas people don't know what the traditions they're inheriting are, and it just gets lost. And you see this in all the religions and cultures today. Um, they just It just happened to them a little bit earlier. And Sames, he agreed on this. He wrote, and hereby we may plainly see the vanity and fraud of the Greek nation, who having received the names of places, as well as most other things of greater concern from the Phoenicians, either new modeled them or according to their own idiom or quite changed them in sound, though not signification, and then imposed them or imposed upon the world new fables of their own instead of the ancient original. And why does this matter? Because the Etruscan mythology is the same as the Phoenician. 
They don't need to borrow the Greeks. They already have everything. It's on their artifacts. They already have everything from the Phoenicians because that's who they're descended from. And the status quo liars have said that the Etruscans got everything from the Greeks, when in fact they are direct descendants of the Phoenician, if not the very Phoenicians themselves, which I think with that puni, is, uh, it might be that they are the, those people who of the purple, right? The royals, the ro- that it's not so much purple, Royal purple, like like we would think of it today, it's it's more of like a uh, a crimson purple, Syrian purple, and um, we mean also, like red associated with Mars, the god of war, who yeah, is maybe admittedly by turn. the mainstream is Tyr. <laughs> Good, dude, you're killing it. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. It's so it's so friggin' it's so connected that it's like. You, you can't get to it. You can't get away from it is what I'm saying. Um, I'm going to show you something else though, because this is from my uh, sub stack that's not out yet, but it's, it ties in perfectly for this. Um, where are we? So this is uh, a bust of an ancient Etruscan, right? An Italian, right? This is found in Serviteri, right? So they'll tell you, oh, these are... Uh, They'll tell you that Phoenician, it's Afro-Asiatic. No, it's not. It has affinity to Celtic. And not one Hebraist can demonstrate a good affinity to Phoenician, even though all these Semitic languages, which is another farce, take the, uh, the Phoenician alphabet. They gut it because of that's the, that's the conquest. We're not coming from them. We went into them and brought everything. And so this is clearly not an Asian or a black person or an Indian. And then I'm going to go even one up you. Who does this look like to you? Does this look like anybody that you would know? This is another Etruscan bus or ancient Italian bus. Anybody in the chat say, see anything? Cause I'm going to show you, I think it looks exactly like, like one for one. I'm excited. All right. I'm going to make you big. Liam Gallagher from Oasis looks exactly like the ancient Italian or Etruscan bust. Wow. Am I, am I wrong? No, I see it. I was thinking like Caesar, but you know, that was kind of obvious. So this is what I'm saying. He's Irish. The Irish are ancient Italians. The Scots are ancient Italians. Britain is literally Italy. It's they just peopled it through the trade. And then what happened from there? The Britons peopled and did set up the trade and all that stuff with Denmark. And then from there you go, it's all around the 60 degree North latitude. You got Norway right there. You got Sweden right there. You got to go a little bit in to all those islands in that other um, sea. I forget what it is uh, to get to Finland, but it's all there. And look at how close, like, like all these places like Holland all these places are so close to Britain. That's why the royal families are all interconnected with each other. And they all look like, like these nasty, like inbred troglodytes. Not no offense to you guys, but come on. You're all breeding with the same families. Um, so anyways, I wanted to bring that up before we continue. Hopefully nobody got offended. But if you did, send all your hate mail to Chance Garden at gofuckyourself.com. I get that all the time, by the way. Uh, emails to the guest. And they use my contact form on my website and everything. And they're like, excuse me, Dylan, I need to. And it's so silly. 
But yeah, send me your hate mail. I'd love to see yeah, it. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get any. Uh, speaking uh, of, you know, I, we have, I'm going to just let you know, I, I'm feeling it tonight. I'm really feeling it. I like our YouTube audience. They're, they're great. Yeah, dude. You know, send I like this super chats, greatest audience. Get, I don't have to like worry about it. I don't have to worry about it if there's like bullshit going on in the chat. Uh, we're getting some kind super chats from Marty and from Logan and from Rachel. Oh, Thank awesome. you guys. So we're just going to roll through this and do the second hour for YouTube as well. And yeah, it was because if, if you don't send chance super chats, he's going to have to go get a job. <laughs> so, so I don't it's get any true. of it. I'm just, not I'm true. begging I have, you. Uh, Please, I have a keep him employed. I'm, yeah. I'm married oh, yeah, now. Yeah, and yeah. Not, she, she's got That's a great right. job. You got the sugar mama. Okay. okay great. <laughs> He's balling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, this is good. Cause we're almost going to get to, you know, last, do you remember last time we did the Phoenician origins of Thor? Now we're going to do some other stuff, but real quick, if it's not too much, I want to just go into that radical Remember the, um, the pony. I don't I'm not going to remember that Latin word for that, the, that purple, that P O E N I, that root. Well, Poe is also the Chinese root that they use. And another name for Buddha is Dag Po. And people remember, Dag, that root is fish. Po and, so, and Fo. Fo and Dagon. Dagon. And An is the being. That's the Greek version of the sun. Remember Plato wrote... Uh, Tell me of the God on who was, is, and shall be. So you have Dagon, which is Dagpo. It's all it's just like Vishnu, you know, turns into. Hey, guess what? Fish. Odin, one of Odin's epithets is Heryan. Heryan. Heron? Is it a red heron? Because like a J and an I are super interchangeable philologically. So that's Harry and on. And it's, and guess what it means in the Old Norse? Lord of the host. There you go. But also <laughs> look at red herrings. Remember? Herring, heron. There's also the heron. Like there's so many like things that are related to this stuff. Now you could say this is coincidence. And you might be right. Who are we? But once you start applying the other dots, this is what's so big about diffusion. I wish I, I learned this word recently. I wish I knew about it when I was writing Spirit World because this is what we're out to prove. The diffusion between cultures and what we have to, the task before us is, okay, is it there in the language? Great. That could be coincidence. What about the architecture? Is it there? Okay, great. What about the metallurgy? What about the tools? What about the techniques? What about the art? There's all these other little things. What about the weird little superstitious religious rites? There's all kinds of things where once you get enough dots, you got these people dead to rights. Dead to rights. And um, uh, Same's wrote uh, regarding, you know, some of this stuff. He wrote the god Magan or Mogan to whom these altars were erected seems to be brought into Britain by Phoenicians and in all probability may be the God of the Canaanites. Obviously he still believes the, the mosaic history, Baal Magan or Lord Magan. For as from Dag, a fish, they made their idol Dagon or Dagon. So this idol of the sun from the melting quality, that planet half might 
from mag, which signifies to melt, be called magon. And that is magon, or that is magon, the British god, was the sun. And what do we have? Magus, magi, magi, mag, you know, mage. Not to mention, you know, one of the ways that the god is often described with the top G is as like a fluid <laughs> fire. Right? I didn't even think about that. You had to you had to insert that in there, didn't you? I like to say oh, the top G, you know, the, the capital G God is often depicted or, or described as a fluid or liquid fire, which electricity fits the bill for that, of course. And this is a God of thunder that we describe, but there's the magma, you know, and Vulcan is a big part of this Vulcan or bull can, you know. Vulcan, the volcano, interchange, motherfuckers. It's there. It is. It's a big one. And so I'm just pointing out that like the the mag magus is also probably related to magma, which is the flowing fire, the liquid fire. And that Vulcan, also the V and F interchange. So that's where you get full Canelli. It's a play on that. Oh, absolutely it is. So hopefully people are having fun. Now we're going to get into the Phoenician origins of. Yeah, send me money if you're having fun. Thank you. Yes. Pay his bills. (laughs) This is my job, you know. And subscribe to to fucking Walmart. We won't be able to do this. Yeah. But, you know, you guys have been supportive. So that's why we're here having such a good time. Thank you for that. So, like, you know, let's keep it going. Yes. Keep, keep, keep paying him. And uh, the capital of what they say was Phoenicia was Sur, and it's written in Phoenician. I mean, I mean, I gotta make sure I'm not going off screen because I wasn't looking at our, t- okay, there we go. So we have, so if you were to look at it in English, they spell it like this, T-Y-R-E, right? But in Phoenician, it's just this. Uh, and what's their rash? Oh yeah. And so that is a Saudi, that's a resh. So in Hebrew, that would look like, forgive me, I suck at Hebrew. You have the That's Saudi, because it's a very resh. silly alphabet. <laughs> yeah. So this is like a T. So th- this is going this way, right? But now we're going to do English and it's going to be T-S-R, right? Well, in Hebrew, they also have this. Saudi. Vav Resh, which would then be T-S-U-R, Sur. And what does this mean? Rock and Lord. Their rock is not as our rock. They don't have the same God as us. You see? So the capital of Phoenicia, the land of purple, is God. Well, that's interesting. The capital, because like the, the cap, the head. Caput. Oh, yep. And so tear in the letters is Tiwas. That's what I was telling you that you can see in the freaking Numidian writing. They're using these runes. And it don't look old. It looks new as hell, dude. It looks like crisp. A lot of this stuff they say is old. It's, why does it look so crisp, especially if it's exposed to the elements? And so Tyr would be written um, 
T-Y-U-R. That's basically T-Y-R-U-R. So they're interchangeable in the Norse runes. Don't ask me. I'm, I'm very new with those. So I'm just doing my best for what I know. Um, but if you look up to her, you'll see he's a sun god. He's the god of war. And another ancient name for him is two. Well, how do we know he's Mars then? Are we just speculating? No, because that's why you have Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's Thursday. But Tur, if you recognize that the TH, that theta, is also interchangeable with the T, Tur or Tir is also Thor. It's the same freaking name. And uh, if you look at all the languages, you'll see symbolism of Mars on Tuesday. Tuesday. Coming from Sur. Syrian purple, and that's why you have Syrians. It's the same thing. S-U-R is also going to be S-Y-R. So that's what I think they're tricking us with. And they want us to believe that we're not, we didn't have anything to do with the Phoenicians. When I'm telling you guys, that's Europe. It's Europeans. That's the ancient world. How do I know that? Because my old, my family, I come from an old family. And our name, it's an old Roman family, and you're going to recognize it. And you'll probably not believe me, and I'll show you pictures. And I've got all the paperwork. It's how I get my citizenship to Italy. We're Etruscan. Oops, let me start over. Can you read that? Acer. Icer. I see. I saw. That's really a family name for you? And what do they call the Pantheon? In Norse? Acer. What did the Druids now call? I'm... What did the Druids call the top G? Icer. Acer. So this is the only bust of Julius made while he was alive. And the last Caesar in my bloodline, like that had the name Caesar was my grandmother, Catherine. And so her grandfather, I don't know if you can see it, is Domenico. He had platinum blonde hair. He's got blue eyes. He looks Germanic, as you can see. And I'll try to zoom in here. Oops. Get out of the way. As you can see, he is a Caesar. I'm a Caesar. He's got the same neck, same chin, even the creases and the freaking face. Same friggin' hairline. Thank Christ I didn't get that thing. For real. Look. Blue eyes. Not Afro-Asiatic. I think I married into your, your bloodline. 
<laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my my wife has a lot of those uh, type of features. Interestingly enough, I never really associated that with the Etrus- Etruscans. Etruscans. Yeah. So the so the Italians they would pronounce that name now Cesare, right? Like Cesare Borgia, Caesar Borgia. So you ask any Italian you want, someone's from the family Cesare. What does that mean? They'll tell you. And he is a, his mother was, guess what? A Conti. So for anyone who knows, wants to talk about papal history and all that stuff, the only family that produced more popes than the Conti family is the Orsini's. They produced five popes, the Conti's and the Medici's produced four popes. So you want to talk about actual Illuminati bloodlines? I have it. And I promise you, the Etruscans, as I've just showed you from their busts, are not Afro-Asiatic. And so if you're European, people can come at me all I want. Oh, you're European nationalist, whatever. No, I'm friggin' trying to raise my people up out of this morass, this disgusting swamp of degradation so they remember who they fucking were. Navigation. That's exclusively a European invention. Why? Because you need geometry. You need trigonometry to celestially navigate. Where was the first compound or community of uh, Pythagoreans? Calabria, Italy. Santo Spanacci knows all about that. He's from there. So not to get... uh, too excited about this stuff, but you'll see going back. Sur, right? Well, it's also Zor, as in Zoroaster, the rock star. It's also Sar. And if you look in Greek, the T, the S interchange, the C and S interchange, look at how sometimes you see Ichthys or Constantine's name written at the Hagia Sophia. You think uh, Michael, Michael Tassarion knows about this? Might, might even be distantly related because why? Caesar. He claims that his family, I think he claims his lineage is actually uh, from like northern India where this name, his name came from. Maybe. In, interestingly enough, not like that they're from there, from there. If you, there, look, but like, at the, if you look at the Phoenician and Greek conquest, they went into India. That's what I'm saying. All the way around. And where else? How are Caesars pronounced in the Bible in Greek? Caesaros, Caesari. And so we have Kaisers. This is why the Holy Roman Empire, it wasn't a big deal to shift it to the Germanic peoples because it's basically all the same thing. That was like one of the things that broke out was between the black nobility, the people that supported the papacy, and then the people of the empire that supported the Holy Roman Empire, Holy Roman Emperor, right? And who saved our ass in Europe from the Ottomans? Fucking Poland. Poland whooped that ass, dude. The Ottomans thought they were going to come into Europe and have their way with us, and Poland whooped that ass. So if you're in Poland, yeah, you better have some fucking pride, dude. You're a tough people. For real. Don't let anybody tell you you're stupid. Oh, why do seagulls fly upside down over Poland? Because it ain't worth shitting on. No. 
They're always mocking everybody. They're always, they're always trying to make us feel like we didn't have a hand in the greatness of our ancestors and our ancestors are great. And you need to remember that because the standards we have for ourselves in America is utter fucking trash. And we're going to lose our nation. We're going to lose our culture because we didn't have high standards. And you need to start recognizing, no, this shit wasn't done by fucking aliens. No, this shit is not done by all these other people with an average IQ of 67. It's you. It's your people. So you, if your ancestors were looking on you right now, would they be proud of the standards you have for yourself? And if the answer is no, then you need to raise the fucking bar, guys. And I do it to myself as well. Nobody's harder on me than me. And that's one of the things that Gardner and I were talking about. He's like... I'm so hard on myself. If there's one thing I could give you advice is don't be hard on yourself, you know? But you see, sir, tir, or tur, tu, tu tates, right? And another thing we've talked about is that quote from Sames. Oh, man, tu and teutates. Yeah, that's thought. And teatl in the Americas all the gods that have Teotl as a uh, termination. And there's only two people in the ancient world that were known for making drink from barley. People in Egypt and the fucking Britons. Cause they didn't have the wines. Like Italy has such good wines. They didn't have to worry about that. Right. So Samis wrote Tutates was a Phoenician God. None can doubt that he was none can doubt. If they considered what Philo Biblius writes out of Sankanathan, which actually is not a person. It's actually means uh, Betham exposed. It means the old book of time in Celtic. If you look at the radicals, the ancient Phoenician writer, Teutus was born of miser. He invented the first elements of writing whom the Egyptians called Thuth, the Alexandrians called Thuth, the Greeks, Hermes or Mercury. He was promiscuously called Thuth, uh, Thouth, Theuth, uh, by Plato in his Philebo, he is called Thuth, and in his uh, Fidras, Tammuz, king of Egypt, which is basically Tammuz, and Egypt is darkness, so I think that's another winter sun symbolism, right? Who has a long conference with him of the use of letters where he called him the father of letters. And so one of the reasons I suspect the system doesn't come from the East as we've been taught, is because of what Bethlehem observed. He said the astronomy of the Buddhist is very striking and ingenious. They have nine planets. They have the sun, Zuru. I don't know how to pronounce that word. It, he typed it out as Z-R-R-U. The moon, Kandu. Mercury, Buddha. I'll say that again. Mercury, Buddha is what they called it. Venus, Sakura. Mars, Angaharu. Jupiter, Braspati which is basically like Bada Pater, like the creator father, creator God, if you will. Saturn was Anahasu, one named Rahu, which was invisible or eclipsed, and one called Ketu. They divide the zodiac into 12 signs, of which but four differ from modern astronomy. Gemini is a husband and wife, Sagittarius is a bow, Capricorn a deer, Aquarius a water pot. Now in this, do I say this right now? Do I make my point? No, no, I'm going to say this, the rest of this quote and then I'll make my point. The Buddhist zodiacs are not certainly in perfect conformity with the Greek, yet they are all indicative of the same meaning and unquestionably were derived from the same source, the Phoenician. 
Much more might be said, but enough has already appeared to remove the first barriers of incredulity, to induce even the learned to doubt the soundness of the grounds for their unbelief in the common origin of the Celtic and Eastern systems, to call upon them to hear patiently and weigh seriously the evidence which can be adduced, and not ex cathedra to put down inquiry with sic bolo, sic jubeo, I command my will, because they have been taught to believe the Greek origin of everything ancient. And so here we see, in my opinion, just from this forensic stuff that we're doing, more confirmation that not only was Buddha the same archetype as Mercury when they were the sun, but also when later ascribed to the planet. And in my opinion, this proves that the system comes from Alexandria. As the planet called Mercury, until the second century BC, was called Stilbo. And the name Mercury was not ascribed to the planet till the first century AD. So the current Buddhic astrological system can't be older when it's using the Greek and Roman system and borrowing their changes. It, they have Buddha as the planet Mercury. That's the exact old solar epithets to the planet, right? And Mercury, Buddha's mother is Maya, Adonis's mother is Mira, Jesus' mother is Mary, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is why I differ from everybody. I'm saying, no, this is not coming from Asia. Could it have come to Asia or from Asia originally? Yeah, could have. But what I we're mean, seeing we've now talked about this like before, but just the Dharma wheel. That's like a sailor's wheel. Dude. Jesus, take the wheel. Dude, and the astro. Oh, this is another thing we can go into. This, so this is, uh, I have a post coming out that's going to be speculative. This is an, a mariner's astrolabe. And when you look at like all of the uh, Biscayer, Biscayer, the Basque people, all their like, um, whatchamacallit. They're like gravestones and they have all of this symbolism. They have these crosses. Look. The swastika, the, swastika. the cross, right? That's a, they've got, they've got in one, both, you know, so it's like they're using this it. This is a, and this is in the Iberian Peninsula. Yep. This is, so this would be like Northern Spain, the Bay of Biscay. If people want to look at it, B I S. C-A-Y, and that whole region is the Basque people. And if you recall, they're the Spanish Phoenicians, right? And so this look at this, is philologically Bacchae. It is. Do it for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, is, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, because the S is Damn, dude, Bacchus. So there you have it. And the S um, becomes a C or a C-H or a K easily. Happens and a look lot. at all these Celtic ones in Ireland and shit. And like, you'll see, oh, let me zoom in so you can kind of see what I'm getting at. Yeah, look at I'll all make these you big graves, hands. dude. Look at all these old graves, man. And so I suspect, look at this one is freaking awesome. I suspect, and I could be wrong, that we well, may be looking at, in addition to the astronomy, these are all modern graves. Like you can tell these look, they're just so crisp that I'm not putting any like emphasis that these are ancient graves or anything like that. But I just wonder, and it'll be something that we'll explore for people who are my members on Substack. If there is something to the Mariner's tools and some of this religious symbolism, in addition to the, like another layer of it, I'm not saying, I'm not dismissing any of the astrology. I'll never give that up because I know that for a fact I can demonstrate that. But I just wonder. If some of this other stuff is, there's some sneaky stuff in there. I also really like, I really like interpreting the 
word of God, logos, savior, deity as li- the written language, the alphabet itself, because this is the preserver, right? <laughs> and what does language do? What does an alphabet do? It allows wisdom to be transmitted into the future and be preserved or saved. The word of God, it makes so much sense. Yeah, I, like and, I know you probably have a lot more you could say about that. Well, I was just going to say, like, even if, like, let's say, like, someone was lying to you, right? But if the document is authentic, even if they're lying, you can analyze the language and learn something about that from a chronological perspective. Because as long as the language is authentic, it doesn't matter what people are saying. You can figure out stuff. So that and this is I really that's why I acknowledge Archbishop Richard Trench, because I really believe like someone who's probably the most responsible. And this is a dead man. This is a guy who probably didn't have any of the beliefs that I did, but he taught me. He taught me Christianos. He taught he I learned this stuff from the highest of the high in these systems. Right. Why don't you go look at how many archbishops there are in the old world a couple hundred years ago. Right. You know what this is, right? Yeah, that's Cress or Crease. But this, yeah, this Ada acts like an E, like an I. So like an Latinized I or, you know, so it's E, right? So you have Crease, right? So this is the crux of the matter. Christianos means Christian, right? This means good, Crease, right? In Sanskrit, Krishna means black. But not because they're Afro-Asiatic. That's where I think a lot of this, these problems are coming. Same with like those little spiral on the heads, those knobs that people say, oh, that's African hair. No, that's actually alluding to people's ranks and shit by, based on how many of them there are. And this Chris good, and that is a Latin termination. So even an archbishop taught me we have a problem of a word that is an artificial construct. It's monkish Latin. And you have Reverend Robert Taylor who makes no bones about it and really drives it home. So he's no longer dancing around the subject. He's saying your entire new Testament is written in monkish Latin and you can see it in tons of words. They didn't even bother changing it to make it look like a real Greek word. Right? So this stuff matters because they told us on the front page of the Bible, the title page, that it was faithfully translated from a Greek original. No, it was faithfully translated, unfaithfully translated from a monkish Latin original. And Eusebius admits, who did the Gospels and Epistles come from? He said those ancient therapeuti were Christians and their writings are, the, are our Gospels and Epistles. This is the father of ecclesiastical history. There's nobody who can criticize me who has higher authority. He admitted it. And you're not going to get it in English unless you have someone who's really translating this shit from Greek. That's what Reverend Taylor did while he was being falsely imprisoned for blasphemy for creating a pamphlet to try to wake people up back in the 1800s, early 1800s. And so what I'm saying here is the reason I I specifically focused on language, almost like autistically, is because I knew once you have these keys, nobody can hide anything from you. 
You cannot, doesn't matter whether it's Norse mythology, Italian mythology, Asian mythology, Hindu mythology, none of that stuff. It can't be hidden from you. That is the wisdom, the eye of providence, that unison, that all-seeing eye, that doctrine of wisdom, that doctrine of emanations, and the sun, that mediator between us and God, which we have no idea what it is, the light of this world, connects us to our creator, gives us life. And then we, in turn, develop systems that require these wisdoms, these, these, uh, these systems of communication and commerce. Man, you've just been laying it out tonight. <laughs> this is just a golden thread. Uh, it's obvious you've been on some serious research kick for a while. and it's great I sat on this shit it. for years, dude. I sat, I, I, I put enough out there and like, please, somebody who's not me, take this. Please, somebody who's not from the black nobility, take this. Please, somebody who's not a fucking Caesar, take this. Somebody who's not Italian, please take this. And nobody took it. And... The problem with me is I'm emotionally charged with it. I've got serious skin in the game. My family has been lied about. There's not one word in the entire body of Roman law that persecutes Christians. That's even against Christians. On the contrary, we protected them. And so you have billions of fucking people who shit on Italy. They take everything from Italy. They don't give us credit for Italy. The, for anything, they say that we persecuted everybody when we set up an empire that they all have these conveniences that if it weren't for Italy, you wouldn't have this shit. And it was only able to be done because of the standard of code of honor of Europeans. Right? It's not the rulers, it's the people. We had a, a way of dealing with things. That's the only way you can actually band together. America had it. Britain had it for a little bit. People have it for spurts, but no one had it for as long as this ancient universal empire. And where it really gets bad is when people really start going to conquest. And so if some of that shit is true about the Romans and the Greeks, that's immoral, right? But when you look at the Phoenicians, they weren't conquering. Even the Greeks in a lot of places, when they took over the system a little bit, if they're even different than the Italians at this point, I don't know. I think Greece. Italy, Egypt, North Africa. I think it was all the same thing. I think they were all part of the same thing, just like Britons are all part of the same thing. And then what happens? Once you no longer have that code of honor and standards, everybody starts fighting with each other. We see the same thing happen in families when somebody who's like a patriarch or something dies, and then everybody fights over their fucking inheritance. And people you thought were family treat you like a stranger because now money's on the line. So that's what I think is happening. I think it's human nature, but this is some of the cases that I'm laying out. I could be wrong guys, but what I'm not wrong about is my fucking family and our ethnicity. So when you hear people saying that, Oh, well they're fucking Moors and they're Asians and they're all this other shit. They're everything, but what they are. That pisses me off, especially because people in America, our culture was really good for a long time, right? We grew up, where I grew up, there was community. You knew everybody. You didn't have to lock your doors. 
wasn't as dangerous outside the city. America had all this amazing stuff going on for it. Is there other stuff that's bad about it? Sure. But that's more to do with the times than just America, right? Everybody had these systems of, you know, slavery. There's nobody that didn't take slaves. Doesn't matter whether it was Mexico, Byzantium, or um, what's that called? Constantinople. Every open market in a city, you could buy and sell slaves. The ancient world is terrible for that. And people were just as many European slaves as everybody else, right? So obviously that shit's trash. We don't need to like state the obvious, right? But in, what I see now is a concerted effort to destroy people of European culture from within. And it's people that are being bought out by foreign interests. And they're polluting us with terrible entertainment, porn, junk food, all this shit, and getting us fighting with each other, uh, you know, whatever. And so the goal of my work is to teach people this ancient universal system so they can see it for themselves. And that's so you guys can start, you know, hold people can hold each other to higher standards and take pride in their past and take pride in their culture. This, this nonsense where everybody's equal and, uh, you know, you shouldn't have pride in who you are and your people. Bullshit. You should have. Well, that's what's on the surface, but then below the surface, it's like, well, I'm pagan and you're, and I'm Christian and we're different and we don't really mix, but we're talking about the same thing. We're all part of nature. You're not apart from nature. Yep. And every person watching me has ancient DNA. You're here because only the strong survive. Some of us know our ancient DNA because they like, this is i I've got a post coming out about this. Like, this is one of the things, like the reason I know is because I'm actually Italian. So anybody who has serious roots in Italy, Italy has been the epicenter of the ancient world because of its location in the Mediterranean. So you have people from Italy. A lot of them are from these ancient families, these powerful families. And now they don't have power because once Rome collapsed, Italy was ruined. And so now what you have is the illustrious poor people who are literally nobles, but they've got no estates, no riches. And uh, Mahmoud, that Turkish spy, he, he writes a funny story. <laughs> he was in, uh, I forget what part of Italy he was in, but he saw these guys who were actual noblemen. And he's like, they were literally climbing fig trees to eat so that they wouldn't starve to death. <laughs> and I shouldn't be laughing, but that's kind of, it is. It's like, just because you're from an ancient family and a family that was participating in, you know, these empires, it doesn't mean you're a special boy or you're better than anyone else, but don't try to take from us what our ancestors did. That's my thing. And right now they're destroying history at like an alarming rate. You can't find half of this shit on Google even more. If you don't know what you're looking for and know how to like search exactly, you can't find some of this shit. Like they're literally oh, it just what you found yesterday will disappear today. I've been for the last several minutes trying to get Google to even like give me a search return. Uh, <laughs> it just keeps locking up. And I was I'm trying to find this. Uh, I mean, I don't know the obviously with a lot of the stuff, we don't know the true date or maybe where it's from. But you were talking about the curly haired aspect and like the. Chris, no, yeah, they, they look like these little spirals on the head, like these little spikes. 
And so some right, people which is how Bacchus is depicted. 100% of the time, Bacchus is depicted that way. And uh, I found the lions oh, too. See it on the Chinese. I found it and I don't I didn't right. save the picture and I can't get Google to work. I'm not even kidding. It's just like giving me this. Oh man. It's giving me this uh can't find the site. But in Shivta, Shivta, Israel, there is uh an supposedly an ancient depiction of Jesus with curly hair in exactly the same way as what we're talking about, not the sort of traditional you know, long, straight-haired hippie type of Jesus, but I just thought that was interesting. I'm not able to find it, but I'll I'll put it in Telegram later when I do get to it. So, I uh, work with, this is my second book in my fantasy series. Let me tell you something about hair. The hardest part of this picture, I mean, if you can see how detailed it is, it is like, he did such a good job. This is one of my favorite artists. I reached out to him and he could do it, but one of the things we had to spend a lot of time on was the hair because he kept the hair kept looking like a hobbit and like curly and bushy. I'm like, I don't want him to look a hobbit. He's not a fucking hobbit. I want him to look more like a Norse elf, right? Like an elvish. Hair is literally the hardest thing for an artist to depict because it's so delicate. It's really difficult to make hair not look bushy and curly. So that's one of the things you're going to see in a lot of um, statues. Like even some of the ones that I showed you, it's they're just they just uh they didn't bother making the hair they just carved lines into the skull to kind of give it that illusion so it's it's one of those things it's just hard it's it's a hard thing to depict but um i wouldn't you know i wouldn't judge something like one a lot of the busts that i didn't include in some of my work they look like cartoon characters like there's no human alive that looks like some of these statues you know what i mean so it's kind of like trying to compare like would you try to compare Americans by, by going through old Simpsons episodes? No, they have three fingers aside from the thumb, you know, like, so there's, there's stuff that like, you just have to look at from an artistic perspective that there's a lot of shit out there. That's not actually realistic, but the stuff that is realistic in real life. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's hey, a new that looks like a Yova. that's Yova. That's Numidian supposedly. So curly hair and the horse. Yeah. So that's, Freaking go look. Can you go on that uh, wiki? Are you able to? So that's King. No, I'm having weird internet problems. I can't do any. I can't open anything that's not already open. That's King Juba. But if you look how it's spelled in Greek and pronounced, it's Yova. Which is. Job? What? You're talking about Job? (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that interesting? How we've got Tetragrammaton as a king and you don't think that's astrotheology? And what's one of the grossest egregious pronunciations that you hear people say the book of job how is job written iota omega beta yov jov don't ever if you're christian it's time to raise the standards for you stop saying book of job it's book of yov you can pronounce it correctly People, you have permission from the universe to, to actually say things the way they're supposed to be said, so people can actually know what you're talking about. Yova, Yova, Yuba, King of Numidia, and there's another one to look up. I think it's his per- predecessor, Bocus. I mean, if you can't see that, that's Bacchus. I don't know what to tell you. Look up these Numidian kings, guys. I, hell, I might even have a picture of one. 
You probably do. I there's a uh, what is his name? I know I have him somewhere. King, New, I'm going to type in Numidian Kings, and I'll tell you what it is. Oh, we got to how dare you? <laughs> oh, you sir! How dare, how dare you? you? Oh, how dare you? <laughs> Fucking Jordanians are coming. Oh man, uh, where is this guy? That it's the. Who, can you see on your wiki who that? Uh, I know that's King Yuba, but let me just say, you mean King Yuba? No, I don't know what's up with my internet, but I like. I just get. We've been having some glitches. Something Google is like doesn't want us to this do now. this. I I broke Google by trying to show you guys curly hair Jesus. <laughs> it's just oh, broke. Yeah. So that guy. It's uh, Mercury Focus Gatorade for sure. I think it was the first king of Numidia. First king of. Numidia. Oh, there it is, Masanisa. Okay, give me a second. Masin. Oh, isn't it interesting? Nisa. Where have we heard that? Nasi. Messi. Moshe. Messiah. Something's not adding up here. That's one thing I really liked in Terminalia, your sixth book about all the Messiah, Moshe, MSE, MSH words going on in the Americas. In yeah, Disney isn't that awesome? Well, so that's what's exciting about this. Uh, oh, man, why can't I find this, dude? This is really, I mean, you can see he's clearly like a Celtic vibe. I just want to show you this, like, this is a bust of him, right? But, like, this is literally, like, some of this shit. Uh, this is a painting. That doesn't matter. Dude, it's like you said. Every time you try to go find something, it's gone, man. It's literally, and it's gone. So, for anyone who, that's him right there. I don't know if you can see him, but it's, like, clearly not Afro-Asiatic, if I can find it, I will. It's I don't so weird. Wait. Jenny on the same Wi-Fi in the same house, she's able to Google stuff. Like there's, I don't know. I don't usually ever think like they're trying to hurt me, but it feels like there's something messing with my ability to search stuff. You know what it is? It. I, I wonder if it's like, it's like just a timing thing. Uh, you know, oh, here we go. This might be a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. It's okay. We're all hanging out. We're having a good time. This is live TV. I mean, is he Asian? There you go. Is he Asian? Is he African? Come on, guys. This is why they have the same, there's this genetic affinity between the Berbers or the Numidians and the Finnish. That guy looks like you. <laughs> like I, I, would, I would literally kill to be able to, grow. so I'm part American, I'm Annie and Waya. I'm part American Indian. And so I don't have the ability to grow a good beard. It pisses me off. Not going to lie, but it is cool to kind of, kind of have that Celtic, you know, one of my, so one of my ancestors is from France. So from Gaul. 
and they were over here because the French were allied with what they call the Cherokee. But that's that Cherokee is that they didn't know what they that means like Creek language or some shit. It's what they call this because they didn't know what they the they we spoke. Creek? That sounds like Greek. Greek. Yeah. Grecian. You know, Cre- Cre- the third letter of the alphabet? It's a C. But what's the third letter of the Greek alphabet? Oh, it's gamma. It's a G. C and G. They completely interchange. Your mouth does the same thing. Greek and Creek. It's the same fucking thing. It is so wild when you think about that. And, you know, so one of the things I've been looking at on my sub stack is um, I've been exploring the uh, ability of like, who, where does this diffusion come from? Right. So like, even like uh, I've got a post, this is coming out from a later post, but like, you see, like, this is uh, the, the dates and roots of the so-called Norse, which even the status quo concedes begins in Britain, right? 793 AD. 795820 and you can see it's almost the same as the the um the empire of genoa right they go up through here denmark and stuff and they get up to finland all that stuff this is the baltic states you have norway sweden finland right but you got to remember they're freaking like 60 degree north latitude dude you know how cold winter is there I don't think you're surviving that without advanced uh, technology. Well, I guess you could call it technology, but you know what I mean? Like advanced, like, like, yeah, you could probably survive as a man with like some fur skins and all that stuff. But like when you start thinking of like little children and babies and doing the stuff that you need to do, like, I don't think they can survive in these harsh environments. So I think what they were doing is they were just going from them in the Southern time months. And I think the reason they knew where all the fucking, uh, why can't I think of them? I want to say chapel, but not. What is, what is it? Monasteries. The reason they knew everything was is because they're all part of the same fucking thing. And I, I think those stories are greatly exaggerated about Vikings, like in terms of the bloodlust and stuff. No, it's probably like you took this from us. You kicked us out of here, motherfucker. We're getting some of our shit back. Because <laughs> if you look at the abacadariums, the freaking Anglo-Saxon runes and all that stuff. It's like the same thing. I mean, you can see a little bit of uh, Greek in there. You can see a little bit of, uh, it looks like it might have given way to what some of the Russians using like that Cyrillic and stuff. But then they allegedly go to Iceland. But what is also on the table, the Irish monks were in Iceland and they were all speaking Latin. And they left eventually and the Vikings took over, but it was Irish monks. That's Ireland right there. And then came over to Greenland. And the Irish the had the use of the alphabet and the Latin. They were like, yep. like uh, they were being, people were being sent there for education uh, on reading and writing. Am I not wrong about that? Yeah. Yeah. Britain was known. Like that's where the, the Gauls would send everybody. So you have like uh, Amsterdam and shit. Like every, the Gauls were all sending their people to Britain to be educated by the Druids. So some of these accounts from the Druids, I know it's disgusting, but I wonder how legit it is. Like if they were really as bad as some, like some of them turn my stomach, but I also see it with the Mexican culture too, because allegedly they believed in the, the, uh, the transmigration of the soul. So they didn't actually think you were just as killed. Buddhism does. Yeah. Like they, they were, yeah. And they, so like the idea is, well, and this is kind of sick, but you see it in Satanism too. It's like, we're not killing him. We're just sending him on a different part of his journey. He can't be killed. 
So there is truth to it, but their application of it is like really perverted. Like, oh, you just come back. And one of the things and I know, that, and um, when you have the whole doctrine of like whoever suffers hardest is the most special boy. You know, like yeah, I actually had this in a, a tuning recently that I did for a client where um, somebody had told them that they were living a parallel life where they're being like drugged and sex trafficked. And mm-hmm. they had basically like this long running complex of to be spiritual. I need to be suffering the hardest. And so like their body's responding to that, you know, even especially with some of the weird beliefs that have been put in their head from other so-called like healers and like quantum fixers and whatever. <laughs> so my point being that, like, if you have that idea and then you are engaging in human sacrifice and you believe in transmigration of soul, you could even possibly talk yourself into like, I'm doing them a favor by ripping their heart out on this altar. But on the other yeah. hand, you have to question like, how much of that is true and how much of that is hype from the what the current at the time was the current ruling mafia where they wanted to make sure and distance everything they could from the these cultures that they're conquering to just like demonstrate that oh that's not us we're not like them they don't have the exact same system and doctrine as uh that as we do that would dispute all mosaic history so there's there's questions in terms of like the veracity of the human sacrifice going on in the old Mexico and it with the Druids. But you know, if it is accurate, it's pretty wild there. Uh, you remember that guy I quoted in uh, the whole, Oh, uh, maybe it's in Terminalia, the Guslav, the guy who's the Christian missionary in uh, China in like the early 1800s, like I think it was the 1830s or whatever. Well, he was saying uh, that, belief that transmigration of the soul and all this reincarnation shit is what made the populations of Asia so miserable because he's like every freaking like bum thinks if he just suffers hard enough and enough times he comes back, he'll eventually be be a king in one life. Right. So it keeps like them this like weird complacency or whatever. And he said, um, he's like, it breeds atheism. And he's like, just if the whole experience in China it's it's real interesting because when you start looking at their history, like I'm working, I have a post scheduled to come out um, with the pyramids, you know, and people, I know your audience, they, they're, this is the stuff that I don't really put in my books because um, I don't, it's so speculative that I, I don't want to put stuff that I can't back up. However, um, oh wait, I gotta, I'm showing you my, um, my sub stack. But basically, there is a, there's like over 40 ancient pyramids. Have you seen these? Like they're buried in China and they've only excavated like two and it's very mediocre. Have you seen this chance? I don't think so. Um, man, I wish I, I, I know I can find this. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, so basically, anyways, there are pyramids in China. And when you start looking at the Chinese empires, they've got, they run into the same problems that the Indians run into, which is they've got nothing pretending to be history really going into, uh, I think like 200 BC. And you look at Chinese empires, look at this thing. This is uh, a tomb. See if I can turn my phone sideways, maybe get some better. Yeah. Yeah, baby. 
Look at that. This is a tomb in China. And this is where the stuff where they found these terracotta armies. You ever heard of these? It's like very much like a stupa or tumuli to have a burial chamber under a tower. Yes. And so you're wondering how all this shit went down in China. You stoop over, stoop down. That's straight from the Pictish towers and the British or the uh, Buddhist stupas. Yup. And it looks get down on hands and knees to get in there. You have to stoop. Yeah. And look, the four horses, the seasons, all that stuff. These terracotta armies are crazy, man. This stuff is like, this is a post that's going to come out uh, in like three months. So I'm showing it now, some of it. But like, look, uh-oh, what happened? Um, how dare you? Like, look at these mounds, dude. And they're all pyramids. You know what the Chinese government's saying? Well, we don't want to destroy them because we don't have the uh, the technology to excavate them, excavate them properly. Okay, then that goes into other stuff. But I just wanted to show you that because your audience might be interested in that. Um, I'm sure a lot of them have or they're familiar with that for sure. But um, uh oh, chance dropped out, or am I just front? Oh, I'm sorry, I left you big. <laughs> Oh no. Okay. I just, I just wasn't sure if you dropped out. I'll keep going. I got more stuff. I was to trying go. to interact with the chat, but uh, I'm having no, more tech issues. I had to do it do through my thing. phone. But going back to this stuff, what if this stuff is colonized by Egypt? What if China is colonized by the Americas, not the other way around? And that's why they look Asian. I don't know, but I'm telling you there's the stuff that we're seeing in Mexico, right? That's in going to be in the book, the terminalia stuff. When, especially when you, um, narrate that like dude it's there there is diffusion how is it getting there and it's either real or it's part of the cover-up and all of it's fake and all these are just modern accounts but i wanted to read something to you from uh lem prayer's classic classical dictionary i know you've seen this because i think you've read it in the, the our audiobook but i don't think the audience has heard this the inhabitants he's talking about the greeks the inhabitants were a rude and barbarous race living in forests and caves, ignorant of agriculture, without cities or social regulations of any kind, and unacquainted even with the use of fire. Their general name was Graici. In confirmation of this last remark, we have nothing but a few scattered pas- passages in ancient writers which, however, are fully to the point. Alcman, and after him Sophocles, speak of the Greci or Graici. Um, because it's AI, as the progenitors of the Hellenes or Hellenes. To the same purport are Aristotle, the the Parian marble, and Eusebius, as also Apollodorus. These authorities, at first view, may seem to relate only to the Hellenes as a portion of the main race, but it must be recollected that the authors cited used the term Hellenes in the meaning which it bore in the later age when it designated the whole Grecian community. To say nothing of the manifest traces of a common origin in the different dialects throughout the land. Graici, therefore, was a general appellation for the original inhabitants. In Greece, however, it gradually disappeared and was su- succeeded by the name of Hellenes and remained in Italy, 
during every subsequent period in the mouths of the Latins as the appellation by which they characterize their eastern neighbors. This admits of an easy solution if we suppose, as the facts themselves fully warrant, that the inhabitants of Italy were indebted to the Pelagi for the first knowledge which they received of the inhabitants of Greece. Now, I take exception with that last part because the Pelagi is what the Greeks called the Phoenicians. And other people have sussed out the fact that the Phoenicians civilized the Greek, not the other way around. So the big thing that I'm claiming that I've never seen, actually, it's not true. I have seen one man, one account of one man who was like, the Greek, Latin is not descended from Greek. I forget who his name is. I, I did cite him. But it was just a very brief thing because uh, I haven't read deeply into his work. I, I saw an account of him. And uh, a lot of this stuff is from like hundreds of years ago. So it's hard to tr- track down some of these sources. Um, but there there are people, but I've never seen anyone living. Let's say that there's no other person alive that I've seen say Greek is not uh, the parent of Latin. And the reason I did that. I've come to this conclusion is because we've seen uh, in in our upcoming book that's going to be coming out with the the audio book, audible the Celtic, the Roman and the Sanskrit have such affinity that it's impossible they're not connected. All of the other languages have all the qualities of what happens to a language as it gets improved upon and spread out and all this other stuff. Sanskrit stayed perfect. It stayed a uh, priestly language. It stayed a language that conformed to all of its own rules, which tells me it's not a language that was disseminated amongst the people, which means it couldn't have been a language of conquest, especially when the Brahmins were forbidden to leave their lands. So how would it have gotten to the Mediterranean and to Britain if the people who were responsible for doing it and taking it there were forbidden to go there in the first place. That's why I think all this shit is going down. And you see places like, you know, Mauritania, they say it means lands of the Moors. No, Maur is Phoenician, means great, right? Prince. And you see this in the British kings, Kando Maurus, Quis Maurus. Combolo Maris, Induccio Maris, Verido Maris, Tutto Maris, right? Mauritania is the land of Mars or the land of the great. And that because that's where Mars comes from, Maur, God of war, Tur, Sir, the Lord. So that's one of the things that I want to bring up, you know, in that term Berber, it has no ethnological value, just like Moor has no ethnological value. Value. It's basically a term like barbarian, but in those days it meant stranger or foreigner. And so according to... Do you to, think there's something other than the like traditional explanation for Berber or Barber being like they, they say that it was because the Greeks thought anyone who didn't speak Greek sounded like they're saying better, 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 better. And that's <laughs> seriously, that's, that. like, that's what modern academic scholars say the origin of Barber or Barbarian you know, is. Yeah, that's the Latin too. The Latin they didn't mean it wasn't like you were a savage. It was more of like they're a stranger. They're not from. Yeah, yeah, they don't speak Greek, so it sounds like gibberish, and that's where the term Berber comes from, according to the mainstream. 
And Numidian, the, the people, like, I guess like the locals, like the ethnic population that I guess was there before the Phoenicians or whatever, apparently they have their own language. It's not, it's totally different. But when you look at the cities that are set up there that are Phoenician and Roman and all that stuff, it's so obviously the ancient universal empire that we're uncovering that they, whether the locals are there or not is irrelevant. What we're talking about is the actual civilization and the systems of language and priestcraft that gets set up there. And that's the significant point. And so that's what they're saying is all these other cultures when it's clearly from ancient Italy, it's using the same masonry. And why is this important? Because you have this guild, this merchant class that are all dependent on each other. You have the priests for the astronomy and the, the, the languages and all that stuff, right? That's why the sailors got the holy language. You have the navigators who take them to and fro. You have the masons that build all their temples in accordance with their knowledge. And then you have the merchants who get set up at every port to do the business and make the money so that when they go and mine, all, and you probably include the miners too, because that's what made uh, Achuria prominent is its ability to smelt iron. Uh, and that's another thing. So if you go to a foreign land and you see they don't have the ability to smelt metals, well, then maybe that diffusion is not coming from Etruscans or smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> right. Because that's one of the, 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 one of the hiccups or one of the wrenches in our wheel, if you will, is in the cogs is that when the Spaniards got to America, the Mexicans didn't know how to smelt iron. They didn't know how to even mine it despite having iron rich mines. So then they were like, well, why is their religious customs? Why is their mythoses the same as Judaism and um, Christianity? Why do they have the flood story of Noah, right? It's Cox Cox, right? Same thing. He sends out a fucking vulture instead of a raven. He sends out a hummingbird instead of a dove. But it's the same friggin' story. How do they have yeah, this? He's even the one who gives them winemaking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they have. Which I'm everything. not even sure they, makes sense. Do they even have grapes? In, no, they had. Um, well, in the north they do, but the ones, the Concord grapes that we have in North America, a lot of them are grapes in North America. They're too sweet for wine. That's why you don't really see a lot of like North American varietals, even though they're but delicious. The best maybe not the one thing about Noah is that he super into winemaking. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Bacchus. Yeah, yeah, it does, and. The that so that's my thing is like how are they getting that? Maybe this didn't come from the Phoenicians or the Europeans. Maybe it actually did come from the Asians or the Indians, right? But then you have the problem with well, there's the navigation problem. Now you have these people from Thailand who and possibly Java and all that those islands. They went to these islands. That's what the Polynesians are, right? And you get these. Uh, they made it to like Hawaii and all these places all along the Pacific, but you don't really see them. You don't see them get into America till much later. And the question is like, well, is that true or is that false? And I'm exploring that in some upcoming posts because there's, a, there's also claims of Jap Japanese pottery uh, in found in Ecuador. And I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm not dismissing it out of hand, but 
it does require a little bit of seeing what you want to see. So, but I think it is worthy of the audience's attention. There are other claims of diffusion from Asia in the Americas. And if you look at the American phenotypes, it's clearly Asian if it's not native to America. The only thing that would be different that I've never seen anywhere else is when you meet some of these actual native tribes, if someone's like a full-blooded, some of them actually have really red copper skin. It's unlike any other place. And that's what I would say is the maybe some of this is like unique to America, but is it possible that they at one time went to Asia? Is it possible that they one time went to Africa or the Mediterranean and did Egypt? I don't know. I think all this stuff is exciting now and people, it gives people other, other tasks. It gives people, oh shit, you're clearly debunking a lot of the stuff that we've been taught. Well, what else is going on? You know, and I think that's, what's exciting about this is like everything becomes new again. And, you know. Well, bud, I was just trying to find on a bookshelf behind me. I have this book about like the Japanese mythical ancient history because, you know, they have a lot of similarities going on there. And there are some accounts that and even some scholars that are in that book, they're claiming a foreigner like Celtic type ruler on Japan that they're using Japan as a type of stronghold or headquarters for a larger empire in the ancient farthest reaches of their historical annals. So that's another, you know, there's so many, if this is a worldwide thing, then there's going to be connections and leftover traces everywhere in the world. And we need more people to pick this up and run with it. And yeah, I, what's next for you, Dylan, we're going to wrap this up, but, Thanks for sure. look at this look at so this megalithic shit. Look at this megalithic shit in Japan. Yeah, right? yeah, like it's it's there. It's the same thing. Uh, that's all. Yeah, I, it looks exactly like the Inca. Yup. And you know what's funny is in the old accounts they're written Ingas. Um. Yeah. Well, what's next for me? I'm just posting all of my stuff. Let me show you. I'll go to uh, my Substack. So, oh, this is the this is what I want to offer everybody who's watching this. So after today, because some people are working, you know, or they got family nights on Sundays, so they might not have been able to catch this. So I'm gonna leave this open for a few days, three days after. So starting tomorrow, we'll do three days, not counting today. If you touch base with me, and the reason I'm using Instagram is because it's an easy solution for me to not create work for chance. You can just send me a message and I can copy it from my phone, my Instagram. I can't do it on a desktop because you can't see message like requests from people you don't know on the desktop uh, app or whatever. But on my phone, I can get messages from anybody and I can copy and paste your email into Substack and give you a free subscription for a month to see if you like it. It's a win, win, win because it allows chance to provide value to his audience. It's a win for you because you get access to everything I've done for the last three months and the next month. And to see if it's, you want to stay subscribed at no risk to you. And it's a win for me because it gives me the opportunity to earn your business. And so what I have is um, I'll show you what, like, just if you can see, uh, I'll zoom in once I get this going. But like, I have like tons of uh, posts that I've already scheduled, right? That you can go see right now and just start reading once you get your, once you get access behind the paywall. But these are all stuff that I've done. Now I have posts scheduled. I call them fresh batches. I have them scheduled just so you can see I'm not bullshitting you. 
you, if you could make me big one more time, that'd be great. Look at all the, oh, maybe I need to zoom in a little more. Is it like that? Yeah. So I've got posts scheduled all the way through um, into July, July 12th so far. You can see that right there. So I'm not bullshitting you. You see the value. This is your basic. This is what I'm doing with my post now because my spirit world, the series, this was, this had an agenda and the agenda was to expose the ancient universal empire. And we've tracked language as far as we can go. And now it's time to look at other examples of diffusion to other possibilities and go from there. And so that's where I'm at. But the reason I like, um, uh, Substack is because look, you guys, I can post pictures and show you what I'm talking about. I I can I can show you all these things, right? This is remember I was telling you about the Anglo-Saxon runes. Look at this. This is behind a paywall, but like you can see, this is this is all coming from Britain. These runes. This is before, and so what I love about this that I can't do in print. Oh, this is the Abacadarium, dude. This is the look. Check this out. This is um, the Marsiliana uh, tablet. This is all the shit they thought was ancient Greek that turned out to be, no, it's ancient Etruscan. And you can't find a Greek alphabet older than this. But they'll say it's Greek because it has the same letters as the Greek. But it's because it's from Phoenician. And it's Italian. So I can show this in Substack. I can't do this in books because it costs too much to print. And so then I have to charge too high. And then it's kind of like a paint, like July's end is a book that has tons of color photos in it to show you what I'm talking about, but it costs 40 bucks because it's expensive to print because of the color photography. So Substack is where all my stuff is from now on. And uh, until, unless something develops, if I get like another subject that can be really laser focused, like what I've been doing, then I'll write another spirit world. But if not, I'll just, you'll, you get to see my research as it goes, maybe connected, maybe not connected. And um, you don't have to wait a year or two for a book to come out. You just see it as I go and you do with it what you will. And this is all me over delivering. My work's not part of what you're paying for. What you're actually technically paying for, if you go do a member's uh, subscription, it's to have access to me bi-weekly. I make myself available to the chat. I'll be available to everybody. As soon as I'm done here, I'll be available for an hour. I do that every two weeks for people who want to share research or get my take on anything in their own work. And so, yeah, it's about developing a community of serious researchers and um, just giving value. Man, (laughs) inspiration. (laughs) Yeah, you got to get in there, man. You got to get on Substack because there's a lot of shit you can do with your stuff and it's reference. Oh, right? I know. So and I, I you just, don't have to look at Google anymore, right? You can you remember I made a post about this subject. I know where to find it. And boom, you can get all the stuff you posted. And it gives one you of us though needs to back down and take like Sunday night, give it up to the other one so that we can be at each other's thing more. <laughs> Cause I do interverse at the same time you're doing uh your Substack hangout. Oh yeah. I, I can change the time. I just fix up Sunday night just because I'm usually like I'll I'll be active while I'm watching you. And I go active at seven Pacific. So you start at seven Pacific because I'll do it at a different time. Oh, I usually start at about, uh, I guess five Pacific. But I can do like it. At, I can do it on Saturday night if people. I, I can like I'm not attached to Sunday night. I was just thinking of a time where people are going to be around. They're chilling, whatever. But I can do it at a different day. Um, it's not a big deal at all. I can do it on Saturdays, whatever. 
but yeah, it's, it will let the chat decide, you know, if like people, if people come members and they say, Hey, we want you, you have to be a paid member to comment. That's another thing I love about this Substack is you can control, you can make sure that if someone's commenting, that's somebody who supports you. So it's worth giving them your time and attention. You know, it's not some random on the internet trash in your work. It's, it's a, if it's legit criticism, it's from somebody who supports you and that's good, you know, but, um, you should get, you should get on there because for all the work you do, you can post your podcast there. It's like Patreon, but better. And you get paid within a couple of days when someone subscribes, like there's no waiting for anything and you will have an audience Just start building it there. You can put your podcast up there. It's a really cool. It's really cool. If you ever want, like, want, to, want me to do like a, a FaceTime where I show you, just let me know and we'll, we'll get it going. But for other researchers out there, because I know your channel is primarily a lot of researchers, not so much audience. Like I feel like a lot of people who watch you. That's like, what I love about them. Are like, yeah, like so my true. competition. So do you, if I thought about it like a competition, but we are like kind of competitors. So what I would tell you guys, if you're not on Substack, you have to be on Substack because it allows you to circumvent shadow banning. You get everyone who signs up has to give an email. You then, when you send your posts out, it goes directly to their email and you can export that file. So if Substack goes down, you can take all of your audience to another platform. Trust me, guys, get on there, start building that because it's a way it's changing the publish industry. Right. And it's just, it's awesome. There's so much content on there, so much value. And, you know, you guys who are researchers, you can use it in your work, right? You might have a book you're writing and one of my posts is related to it and you can source it. And I'm not writing a book on that subject, so I'm not going to do anything beyond the little post that I did on Substack. Who cares? You know, it's really, it's just a really good thing. And if there's any like serious researchers who are actually doing posts on Substack and you want to trade subscriptions, you can do that too. You can say, hey, let's trade for a month to see if we like each other's work. And you just give each other free subscriptions. It's so fucking cool, dude. And it's, I know what's going to happen next is the Spirit World podcast will be a, a Substack yeah, thing. Yeah, it's called Interverse. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you just always got so much with the fresh batches. That's why I think we just need it to be its own thing and like monthly or weekly or what. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Also Interverse. Maybe. Uh, the, it, it's, uh, it's a lot of work, you know, like I don't take days off like. Like so I'm saying, I'll produce it for you. Oh we yeah, talk I mean, shop later. Yeah, we can talk that. Yeah, if it's something you think that I can do and do successfully, even if it's like you know, 15 minute posts or 15. Exactly. Minutes, yeah, it can be. It can be anything. That's it can be anything. We could experiment with it. Yeah. No, I'm down, dude. Like I'm so. This is Substack has energized me because I like. I can tell. I love. I can tell. I'm all foggy from a head cold, and you just carried this whole thing like a champion. Well, I mean, you know, I, I didn't, I'm not trying to do that. I just, I just like to over-prepare because I love giving value. When I can give fucking value, dude, I feel so good about myself. But I haven't had a lot of things in life that I've ever been able to provide value to people. You know, like, I really like win-win-win deals. I hate when somebody does business with me and then they walk away like feeling like somebody got the short end of the stick. I hate that. So my entire life, I don't go into businesses where somebody has to lose. I hate that. And so this is like the first time in a long time I found someone. Yes, I can give free shit and earn your business. Cause if you like it and you say subscribe, then I win. <laughs> Man, it's been a really good time. We're gonna, we're gonna have to end somewhere though. And, yeah, dude. Uh, thanks for having me on and uh, make sure everybody goes and checks out Topher on Friday. He's got one that just came out on this past Friday with me. That's a really cool 
it's you super good. I, I he did a great job of pulling out some more kind of personal stuff out of you that I think people, if they like your work and like you, they're gonna enjoy that conversation. Toferhq.com. Yeah. And hopefully he'll do a show with you soon because you know, I'm trying to get people to have you on because real talk, Chance Garten's gonna be the go. I'm not gonna be doing this forever. Chance Garten's gotta be the goat at some point. <laughs> He's, well, he's been I mean, trained I'm, well. I'm, once this once this notebook is full, we'll make a book out of it and we'll get somewhere. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, then you can be a you can be a guest on my podcast if I ever have one or something like that. <laughs> Your podcast, I'm gonna produce it. You just have to show up and share research and I, I'll drive, you know? Yeah. That's like we should do that. Yeah, and then maybe you like comment and stuff. So I don't because like the part yeah. of my thing is I get so burned out doing prepare like I'm gonna like like it took takes a lot out of you, man. Podcasts are hard. Like I have a lot of respect for you guys, especially you guys who are doing like multiple shows a week. I do like one a week and I'm like, <laughs> I don't smoke, <laughs> but if I did, I'd need a cigarette, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, man. All right. We're going to, we're going to call it here guys. All right, Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for supporting chance and being here. Um, we really appreciate you because without the viewership, there's no reason to do this. Uh, just be us talking to the void. So the fact that people are here, thanks for supporting Chance. He gives me a platform. Chance changed my life, you guys. Chance put me in touch with Crow. I don't know what I would have done if uh, I didn't have something going on because of Crow, right? That first episode we did, Pop My Sales, I lost my jobs for them in the COVID and the industry that I am, it worked in. I'll never get back to that. The, the psyche's gone. So my, my whole life plan for the last five years has been upended. So now I just focused on, uh, or for the future for five years, what I was going to plan to do, work hard and save and get a property. This is what all I've been doing full time. And it wouldn't have been possible without Chance Garten. So please show your gratitude and keep supporting Chance because he, he spreads, he helps people. Well, man, I will say, you you know, there's been a few times in my life where the inner voice whatever you want to call it, you know, God whispering in your ear or guardian angel or who knows what, but there was for sure back in 2019, when I came across your work before I'd even really cracked into the books, I I got this like really strong. It was the exact same as when I came across Eileen's work with the tuning forks that was ended up being huge for me. I got that voice about, about your work. When I just came across you on Instagram, something was like, you need to help this guy. He's going to help you. It's a win, 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 win. As you just described, it's got to happen. Yep. We'll you take, so we'll take care <laughs> of each other. At that point, my, my entire strategy was like, okay, well, I got to like earn some trust and credibility with this person and build up a relationship and we can work together. And it's like, it was so, ra- so radically true. Uh, in, and what's in cool many, is we're literally business partners now. Like you supporting, like if you buy the audio book, Chance gets his royalty. So you're supporting both of us. Like we're literal business partners. And it's, it's exciting. And, um, you know, like just, Oh, and I've been accused. I've even received accusations of, uh, you know, taking stances, taking stances just because I I could make money off of your work. So that's why I support certain ideas. Like, no, I no. he he didn't do the first two. I had someone else doing the first two and you know, so he, no, he didn't like, no chance. If chance didn't help me, I wouldn't have been able to do three motherfucking books in the last year fire fire oh look at this what's this oh it's fire oh shit we got another one fire you know what crow texted me the other day he said 
I'm damn near close to calling you an old school researcher. <laughs> he's so happy. Like, he's like, he's like this shit. He's like, are you doing this on your own? Like, who's, it was so funny, but dude, you got, if it weren't for you, if it weren't for, so anyone who's saying anything about chance, a shut the fuck up, but B, if it wasn't for him, I'd probably be popper poor and like begging for money somewhere. Who knows? I might be dead by now. Well, you know, secret kings, they always say what they're going to yeah, say. Don't listen to these people, man. You but just block them and move on. Long so story they, short. They just get their fruit boots on and, and they roll on to the next person yeah. to bother. They go to the next gay bar. They go to the gay bar parade. Uh, <laughs> it's like gay bar hopping. But uh, no, for the audience, you guys keep supporting Chance. He's a good guy. He's helped me and he can help you and um, just keep doing good work. That's That's the thing is sometimes... It does get frustrating because your work's not being received. Well, that was the one thing I want to talk about. In the first two books, they if you've never looked into Spirit World, they can be controversial. The first two books, I was basically writing to my 16-year-old self. So some of the times, I, I write how I talk. So some of the times, I'm being aggressive, but the whole point is it's an, the first two are alchemically designed to show us we're all hypocrites. And that is our challenge in our life's journey here is to minimize the hypocrisy we engage in so that we're thinking, feeling, and behaving and speaking in unison. We're congruent because when you're not congruent in the way you think and the way you feel and the way you behave, it comes across as creepy. And a lot of times people are having interactions where they're not socially calibrated. It's because everything's not congruent. You're being incongruent. It's not that you're creepy. Just it also causes your body to, your body responds negatively and your health is diminished whenever those three things are out of sync. Guaranteed. Yeah. Promise you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's really cool, dude. And it's fun sharing our uh, workout stories together and texting stuff like, Oh, I'm doing 70 pounds, eight times, 70 pound dumbbells. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Dylan put me on a workout program. I've been getting, legitimate gains tomorrow's That's leg so day cool. wish me luck yeah good luck yeah tomorrow is uh leg day for me too yeah awesome it's good. good dude so thank you and thanks to your audience and i hope everyone has an amazing rest of your sunday night and uh, i'll see you for those of my members my sub tech we'll see you in the chat after this beautiful thanks man much love brother likewise too much love to you